This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. People ask me, or have asked me since we filmed that show, they're like, so how was filming the show? And of course, I'm like, oh, it was awesome, it was great. And I'm like, but one of the funniest things was watching Tom and Rich fish. We were, they were geared up, they had one rod in their hand, the other rod in the belt, and the first bonefish you caught, I'll tell, okay, here we go. There's the bonefish coming. Tom puts this perfect cast way out in front of the school of bonefish. They're coming right into it. And here comes Rich, runs up, almost shoves him out of the way, casts over his line. He's like, these two are competitive. You know, they're just all about <laughs> catching the fish. And you do the same thing to him. He's like, all right, we're both firing in there. My name is Captain Nick Labady, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Welcome to the podcast today. Got a great one for you. I got to fish with a great young guide in Key West recently, actually on my birthday. Captain Nick Labady is a fantastic young guide. He uh, guided me to a slam on my birthday, which I very much appreciated. And we were also filming it for an episode of Saltwater Experience. So that's coming out soon. And if you're coming from that episode of Saltwater Experience, as we are going to promote it on the television show and get new listeners over here. If you're coming from that, welcome. Glad to have you. And if this is your first podcast with us, I hope that you'll go back and explore the guest list that we have. For today, Nick Labady has an interesting story about how he moved down to Key West and got started. He's been guiding for five years and he's really done a great job. I hope you enjoy this episode with my new friend, Captain Nick Labady. So, Nick, man, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Right on. So, how's fishing been? It's been really good. Yeah? Yeah, we're starting to come into our fall transition of things, the cooler water, and, you know, fish are acting a little different, um, but everything's falling into play, and it's been really, really good lately. Yeah, it seems awesome. like you guys have been catching a ton of bonefish. 
Yep, yep. Lots of bonefish around. Um, the last couple of days, that's uh, all uh, Craig wanted to do was bonefish, bonefish. He's never caught one. So mm. he shipped it on down and he got a real good taste for it. And we had a lot of fun doing that. And then we uh, kind of challenged him a little bit more and had him chasing some permit down by the end of the week. And that got him hooked pretty good too. So. Was he successful? Oh, yeah. And then you yeah. slammed? Yeah. And then we slammed yesterday, which uh, just kind of worked out. Uh, the first couple of days, we were just bonefish, bonefish, like I was saying. And then um, the last day, I was like, well, I'm just going to, we're just going to go fishing today. Yeah. Let's just see what happens. And uh, stumbled into a, a big fat permit on the flats and he ate the crab just like he was supposed to and nice. then kept pulling down that shoreline and there was a couple little tarpon under the bushes and he was hungry as could be and then i'm like all right there's two let's go find a bonefish <laughs> and we've been on those all week so it, it went and worked out pretty good yeah you knew yeah. you knew if you've been on them all week usually that's the curse when you say okay well there's two now we got to go get the yes, last one exactly that's the curse mm-hmm. um so the bone fishing in key west when we fished, I was very, I was very impressed. Yeah, like with the bone fishing in Key West. What do you think happened? Yeah, the big, big picture wise, bone yeah. fish. Yeah. So I've heard a lot about that. I've only been full time down here for about five years, so I can't. I don't have any back in the day stories. Mm-hmm. But I've heard that the bone fishing, you know, used to be, you know, subpar, wasn't, not, wasn't, not good not, at all. Not even subpar. It was, it was, um, it was a rarity mm-hmm. for for guys to catch them. I mean, you would. And it was almost always to the east, but there were a few bonefish to the mm-hmm. to the west, and kind of similar areas to where we saw them. Mm-hmm. But it would be one little tiny school, and you'd have yeah. to be just right on the tide to to get them. And very few people were were catching them, but there just weren't very many. Yeah. So when I f- again first started five or five years ago, um, I'd see a couple bonefish, and I couldn't tell you know throughout the years if it was just me getting better at finding them or there was that many more bonefish around and uh i think there was that many more bonefish because i'd be seeing them in places where i've spent a lot of time and never seen them before right so i, I think we did just get a, a big push of the biomass of bonefish from wherever they came from decided let's go south a little bit and uh it's been it's been really good you know there's plenty of bonefish out there it's, it's nice as a guide too because they're, they're a fish that's a little bit more rewarding mm-hmm. um, to an angler as opposed to like a permit who can be pretty challenging or even a tarpon sometimes. But, you know, if you find some bonefish, you do the right things, they're going to come over and, and eat it for the hmm. most part. So, Man, that's interesting yeah. because that's changed too. Like in Isla Mirada, when the in the heyday of the Isla Mirada bone fishing, there were a lot of bonefish around, mm-hmm. a lot. And you would see them almost every flat you would go to, but they were incredibly hard to catch and they were incredibly huge they would, I mean, that's where that's a lot cool. of the world records came from. Yeah. And I think that we talked about it kind of on on the day that we fished. But uh, I've heard this from a number of people is that there was like a, you know, an unofficial 15-year, 20-year stocking program in Isla Mirada that you would have the fall fall bonefish tournaments, the spring bonefish tournaments, all these different bonefish tournaments. And they were, they were wayfish tournaments. So you would, they, people would go all the way to Biscayne Bay. They would go all the way to the lower keys and they would bring the biggest, most dominant fish back to really? the same docks. So they're fishing out of either worldwide sportsmen. And then they'd release them there. Yeah. And then they release them right there at downtown Isla Mirada. And then over the, the course of the years at Shell Key, you would go to Shell Key and there were just massive fish there they were really hard to catch but they were there all the time and so some people kind of thought well it's 
it's a man-made stocking program right here in the ocean that you're just bringing these fish and releasing them here and they go out there yeah, and, and do their thing and that's where they stay i don't know it sounded like a good theory i don't know what else would account for a small area like that downtown almorada mm-hmm. being basically anywhere that you can see worldwide sportsmen from, that's from where, the water why all the big ones are there and well i don't know i, I don't know either I, I don't know if that's really why they were there it's kind of a nice theory yeah um and it does make some sense when you mm-hmm. think about that i mean you've got the best ga- anglers and the best guides in the keys going after in a competitive environment going out and catching these fish and bringing them back day after day after day year after year after year yeah I'm sure they you would think pretty- a few of those would stick around. Yeah, maybe I don't know, yeah. but that's definitely not what happened in the in, in the Key West area with these bonefish. It's 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 cool because you would take now you've taken a fish that is that was not super common for everybody catching them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it almost seems like now you guys are catching uh, bonefish kind of like we were catching barracudas back in the day like everybody's catching like, yeah yeah it's just See, there's a, a lot just of, there's a fish, a lot that of you fish around i mean yeah you know and so now you have this fish that was was you know you had to really work for it and now it's like a staple mm-hmm. like an everyday staple mm-hmm. that's pretty cool oh it's awesome is what it is it is so cool <laughs> and then the permit fishing has always been the best in key west yeah so but there's been a change of that too like you're seeing a lot of really good permit fishing up in Biscayne Bay mm-hmm. and even in Isla Mirada they're yep. catching a lot more permit i think mm-hmm. now than they than they were it it all changes cyclical yeah. kind of cool to see yeah uh, especially when it's cyclical on to to the good side yeah like <laughs> now like we're sudden, ha- hopefully the bonefish stick around and then you know 5 years from now it's not like a a drought comes through hopefully it's everybody stays strong right yeah. so you've only been here for 5 years but you've uh you started guiding. What's your, what's your story? When, how did you get here? How did I get here? Um, well, it all started when I got a mating job in uh, Boca Grande as a first mate. I grew up on the uh, west coast of Florida, a small town called Inglewood. Grew up fishing and then went to school in Orlando. And uh, I was driving to the east coast a lot, um, Mosquito Lagoon, Indian mm-hmm. River, when I was going to school up there. And that's kind of when I really got obsessed with sight fishing in the shallows. All I had was a kayak, and I would bring that sucker there three days a week. <laughs> I was there. Um, and then uh, I came, uh, went back home, Inglewood area, for uh, Easter in April. And I uh, had a buddy who was a mate for a tarpon guide, and he was like, hey, why don't you do this? And I was like, oh, well, that would be awesome, but you can't just go to the Yellow Pages and find a, a job as a first mate. Mm-hmm. So I scoured the internet, and I found one posting of someone looking for a mate, and I sent a really nice email, and then I looked at the posting. It was from four years prior. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. And I just said, not a chance. Went back to Orlando, and this guy messaged me back. He's like, how'd you know I needed a mate? And I was like, well, I had no idea. And he's like, all right, well, I'll give you a shot. So quit my job, packed everything in my car, boom, south, here's May. And I start working for this guy who um, really taught me everything I knew about live baiting for tarpon. And I just kind of brought that down here. And um, again, when I, I guess, put my application in, I didn't know how good he was. Ed, Ed, Ed Walker is the guy's name. and he's, uh, I know Ed. Yeah, I've worked for him for three years and uh, it was just absolutely incredible. Well, you know, just a ridiculous amount of knowledge working for him for a couple of years. And um, I moved down to Key West probably about two years after I was doing the Boca Grande thing. I had a buddy of mine who, uh, he bounces around a lot and, uh, we were talking and he says, I think I'm going to go down to Key West. And I said, 
Well, that's where I, where I was thinking about going. Says, Go ahead, man. Head on down. I'll meet you after tarpon season. And um, sure enough, end of June rolls around. I give him a call. I said, hey, I'm coming down to Key West. Um, how are we looking? He came down to find a place for us. And he says, well, I got a uh, sailboat. It's over at this marina. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what am I getting into here? <laughs> uh, but car was packed. Down I came, lived out of my car and a sailboat for a couple months and found a place on the mainland of Key West. And uh, here we are. And um, Wait, did you have a boat? No, I didn't have a boat okay. at all. No, I didn't have anything. I brought my kayak down with me. Uh-huh. Spent a lot of time kayaking around the lower keys just exploring stuff like that and it was it was different because we may have a lot of the same species in the keys as we do where i grew up on the west coast of florida but they have a different mentality a little bit you know coming from like an estuary ecosystem to i guess i would call this a coral reef ecosystem Mm. i'm not sure of the of the term but spent a lot of time on the water and actually for my first year i spent most of it under the water um, I just had to see what was going on down there. Right so on. I would put on a mask and I would free dive all these channels and all these patch reefs and just kind of get a, a little understanding of what everybody was doing down there. Um, really was into the nighttime tarpon thing for a while when I moved down here. And this is all from a kayak or huh. whatever I could do. Around the bridges and stuff? Yeah, or, bridges. Yeah. And um, I, was, I lived up the Keys a little bit like Sugarloaf, Big Pine, spent a lot of time up there. And... Um, I was ready. To, uh, I was working uh, again with Ed for a couple of years, and uh, that was just for tarpon season. And I, I had the fish bug. I'm like, I got to find a way to do this. And uh, I was ready to be full time in Key West and quit lugging my stuff back and forth. Found a um, a company down here to work for, uh, Dreamcatchers. Uh, Steve Steve yeah, Lamp. No Steve too. Yep. Gave him a shout, and um, same thing. He uh, he gave me a shot, and uh, turned out to be a, an incredible opportunity. Uh, learned. Uh, a lot, a lot about not necessarily the fishing aspect. Uh, that was just me having the time on the water, but the actual behind the scenes of what it takes to be a fishing guide. Um, worked for him for uh, four years down here, hmm. and uh, it was awesome. Yeah, he puts on a great show and uh, decided, well, time to go all in. Let's see if I can do this thing. And all my little... Uh, pennies out of the piggy bank and <laughs> went and bought a flats boat here we are yeah, yeah. so how, well when you're making that decision to to go off on your own mm-hmm. like what are the what are the things that you're thinking about honestly i was just blinded by my obsession of the fishery i really wasn't thinking of any of the financial responsibilities <laughs> all i thought about was um i really want to become more of a technical fishing guide uh the tarp and the permit the bonefish I felt like I needed to be in a flats boat, a pulling, pulling skiff, kind of do all that. And I said, well, this is the only way to do it, really, to do it right in your way and, and um, have a lot of time to explore and try new things. And, you know, the people will come if you give it a shot. Yeah. So, so did you just stay full time? Like, did you ever take on a, another job when in this transition period or anything like that? No, I didn't. No, I went straight from one to the other. Uh-huh. Yeah. And were there some tough moments? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I know. Uh, th- I know about those tough moments. And yeah, I always think about there were. I lived on Ramrod, and it was tough, man. I mean, I had just gotten married, and was not working as much as I needed to or wanted to. 
And there was time when my wife and I were talking, well, maybe, you know, maybe she get another job, like a waiter at night or something. Mm-hmm. And there was this moment, and, and I really think of it as like a real turning point in, in my career where it's like, okay, I could do that. But if I do that, I'm not going to be on the water as much. Yep. And that's not getting me, it may get my bills paid, but it's not getting me any closer to where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And so there was this moment of saying, I just got to go for it. I got to do the opposite of what makes sense right now. What makes sense is to get a job as a waiter at night. Mm-hmm. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to double down. And instead of doing that, go I'm going to go in. fishing every single day. Yep. And just like you're talking about, like if you do that and you put in the time, then the people will come eventually. Yep. And, and they did eventually. But there's some tough times, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, some, there's some times when you're just like, man, there's more month than money. And, and uh, whew, yeah. you got a boat payment. Mm-hmm. You got all of these things. So that's, that's not an uncommon thing. But you, you feel like that that paid off for you the same way? Oh, yeah, extremely. Yeah, there was definitely a, a point in my life, just like you, where I, um, I'm sitting there. And I was still actually years and years ago. This is when I first had it kind of shower over me, so to speak. I'm out there getting, I have work in the afternoon, but I'm going fishing on my kayak and all day, every day. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm actually doing something that I love that will hopefully pay off down the road. Um, I'm not really sure that if it will or not, but um, time on the water, there's just no, there's no, I mean, no, no exception to right. that. I mean, that is the key ingredient, the sole key ingredient to becoming a successful fisherman or fishing guide. You can't, you can't buy it. Um, it's just, you have to put yourself out there, rain or shine, and you learn something new every day. I learn something new every single day. Um, even if I'm fishing the same water, same spots, there's, you just need, you, you, you learn a lot. And mm-hmm. that's the only way to take it to the next level. And, uh, you can, hold back a little bit and go get that second job and be comfortable or like, like we did just go all in and yeah. Hope for the best. Well, I've seen it work both ways, but for me, that was a turning point. And it was a point in my, in my, in my mindset too, of like, I'm, I'm all in, I'm burning the boats. There's no plan B I'm going mm-hmm. for this. And if I don't make it fine, I don't make it. But if I do make it, I know, I, I know that I'm not helping myself to make it by getting a second job. And not being on the water as much. So that was, I mean, but I've seen it happen the other way too, where somebody, you know, like my partner, Rich, he, he worked as a, he, he was working at Hawks K, you know, a long, long time ago as a, as a waiter there. And then he got a job as a mate. And then like you, he decided, well, I think I've gone as far as I can go as a mate. And now I'm going to mm-hmm. get a skiff. And then he started guiding right out of Hawks K, just yep. same deal. So you recently also tried something else new. We were talking about tournament fishing mm-hmm. when we fished not too yep. long ago. And then didn't you fish in the slam? I did. Yep. What was your experience like there? Was uh, that your first tournament as a guide? No. Uh, the first, that was my second. The first tournament was um, last September, October is a Sugarloaf Showdown. Okay. Yep. So that was my first one ever. And then, and then, but this is your first Redbone tournament. Yes. Redbone event. Yep. So what was your experience? What are your two tournament experiences like? Because I, I like to talk to people about this because 
tournament fishing and charter fishing and fun fishing are really very different. Yeah. So what was your experience yeah. like? I kind of got the, the uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say the bug for it a little bit, but the respect of the tournament guys or for the tournament guys. Like you said, it's a completely different mentality. Um, you know, like you said, charter fishing or fun fishing, you're out there, have a good time, catch some fish, come tournament time, at least my mentality anyways, I'm, I'm coming for blood. I'm going whatever it takes. Um, and, uh, that was the kind of mentality that I had going into both those tournaments. Did a lot of pre-fishing. I would go out there and fish areas and just check on the fish and I wouldn't fish them. You know, I'd slide in there. Okay, there they are. I'm going to pull out of here real quiet. Leave them alone. Go check the bonefish. Okay, there they are. I'm going to pull out of here. Leave them alone. You can do that for a couple of days before, you know, and just have all your tides down to a T, you know, where you need to be, um, when you need to be there. And, you got to uh, do that while you're making sure an Isla Mirada guy's not looking at you in binoculars. <laughs> and they're like, there they are. Oh, look, he's leaving. And there they are over there, too. Oh, gosh. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really haven't too, noticed too much of that down here. All, all the guides are really respectful of each other, as far as I can tell. Yeah, and, but, you know, if you see something like that, you're, yeah, you see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, uh, my tournament experiences were, were a lot of fun. Um, the uh, the show, showdown was uh, permit, bonefish, and barracudas. And uh, you could um, get points for three of those speech species each day, more points for fly, which is pretty much most of those tournaments. And uh, actually ended up uh, winning it. Nice. Uh, yeah, first tournament ever. I was like, holy cow, I'm up against all these legends I grew up like drooling over, like seeing them on TV shows and stuff. I was like, this is so cool to even be a part of. Yeah. And uh, and that was neat. And then to fish the Red Bone, which is, I've heard about this tournament from all the old school guys, you know, whether it would be Steve talking about it or you or whoever it is, like the Red Bone. Oh, yeah. man. And uh, to even, you know, be a part of it was really cool. And uh, same thing, went out there and, Gave it everything we got, and um, I think we got we got we got second place. I, I'm not. I was kind of a little bit confused about the rules. I, I was informed that you were supposed to go for the amount of slams, mm. and that would win. So we ended up with two and two thirds slams. We got a bunch of bonefish, three permit, two tarpon, and uh, we ended up in second place behind. Um, somebody who had one slam and more points. So mm. for some reason, I, I don't know. I didn't really. Dig yeah, into it, but that's interesting. The rules have changed in those things, and they pretty much change every year, depending on who. Yeah, that's kind of what I was told to, <laughs> you, to be aware of that. That's one of the things that was a um, a real lesson for me one time. The first tournament I ever entered, we thought we won. It was the the Slam Superfly was the first tournament. Oh, okay, yeah, that's the first day. Yeah, right? yeah, and uh, and we had done well, and then we get to the to the score board and it's a very informal award ceremony for yes. the first day and they're like okay well looks like roland and cardenas win and so they hand the trophy and then this other guy you had the legend, trophy in your hands legend, and everything legendary guy tim hoover he's like well hold on now the rules say that it's like like this thing there's some discrepancy in the rules like he has more points but we have more slams or something like that mm -hmm. and they're like oh yeah you're right and they take the turn. They take the trophy and hand it to him. <laughs> but I mean, it's welcome to tournament it's pretty fishing, good Tom. to lose to. Yeah, it's pretty okay to lose to to Tim Hoover and Jim Boker, who who won so much. But yeah, that was welcome to tournament fishing. It's like, oh wow, like you can catch more fish, but 
not win. And every tournament has, you know, a little right. difference in the rules. And that's where, as, as I started fishing more and more and more tournaments, it's like, look, I want to read the rules before I even decide that I want to be in this tournament. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's the marathon bonefish tournament, which is, they allow chumming. Mm-hmm. And those guys are really good at it. Yeah, I mean, Albert Ponzoa, that guy is a master chum guy. And he will... He'll outfish me a dozen to one, literally yeah, a that, dozen to one. Yeah, that's something I feel if you can get really good at, you can just wreck shop. Yeah, well, there's only one tournament that it's allowed and that's it. Yeah. And so, or or there used to be, I don't know if there is still, that's the only tournament, but that used to be the only one. It's like, man, I, I'm that's not my game. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not good at that. And mm-hmm. I don't even think, I don't even think it's worth it for me to, to get into it. But that was kind of a poor attitude too, in hindsight, because how would I have learned the most about it to go up there and be in the same conditions, leaving from the same dock against the best there are? Yeah. That's how you learn how to do it. So mm-hmm. in hindsight, it's kind of a bad attitude that that's not the right thing. But reading the rules, though, it's like when you read the rules in advance, now you know what your pre-fishing should be. Because if it's like, okay, I only need one slam and then I need to rack up the points, mm-hmm. that's a lot different than saying it's the number of slams. Yeah. Like, so I'm going to catch... Uh, a mm-hmm. bonefisher permit and a tarpon, and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to catch a bonefisher permit and a tarpon. Yeah, and I'm going to go back. What if you had to do it in order? Like oh, if you gosh. pick your order, <laughs> that would throw that would throw a wrench into the plans. Like, yeah, no kidding. Okay, we're going to now. It's like calling all your shots on the pool table. <sighs> Babe Ruth pointing to the wall there, <laughs> swinging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but the the rules are are a really big deal, you know, and 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 it really affects like how you prefish mm-hmm. and who your desired angler is like all that stuff do you think you'll you'll continue to fish in those yeah yeah i don't see why not um i probably won't be fishing in the slam anymore just because i have a little bad taste in my mouth about kind of not really taking first due to some complication that i didn't know about yeah, but um, what if you what if you know the rules next year and you go in there and you I and think you it's start gonna, to dominate? I think it's going to keep changing. I think it's going <laughs> to be one of those things because I uh, I specifically asked multiple people on the board multiple times and they told me the rules before all this and then that's what I set out in my mind to do and then was informed because of something that. But um, yeah, the the Sugarloaf Showdown, I'll fish that again and. Um, I th- and uh, there's a lot of really fun tournaments out there. Mm-hmm. There they really are. Uh, the Cuda Bowl, I, I have never fished. Um, that's in, I believe, February mm-hmm. for Barracudas, which is just good, clean fun. Um, that'd be cool. Um, I think I'm going to be able to fish the uh, the Dell Brown this year, which in in my mind is like the biggest tournament that you could possibly imagine or hope to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not one of those things where... You, not that anyone is ever going to get lucky, but it's a permit fly fishing tournament. So if you're competing in that and you're winning that, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. There's just no way around it. Um, and even those those big tarpon fly tournaments, you guys have them pretty much all up your way. I don't even think Key West has a fly fishing tarpon tournament Mm-mm. that I'm aware of. Uh, but the, no, but the, a lot of them come down here to fish. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I could definitely get into tournament fishing. I think, I think it's a lot of fun and, um, you know, we'll just kind of play it by ear. Like, uh, the, the Sugarloaf Showdown is at the end of this month and I was going to fish in again and something came up and 
uh, I've ended up just picking up some normal charter trips for it and I'm not really super, you know, butthurt about it. But, right. um, some of those other tournaments like, like the Dell Brown, um, that's all I, that's all I'm going to think about all year. <laughs> yeah. I remember when the Dell Brown first got started. That was yep. pretty cool. Cal Blumberg got that thing going, which was, it, it is a great, a great event. I always wanted to get a permit all tackle going. Just like they have the bonefish all tackle up in Isla Morada. Mm -hmm. So you can catch them on fly and you can catch them on bait and you can catch them on artificial. And it's just for bonefish and you can get different points. And the idea is to, you know, kind of like a slam. Mm -hmm. What I wanted to do is kind of like a slam for permit. The slam would be if you caught one on bait on fly and on artificial. Ooh. So then, yeah. like, if you caught one on all three types of, of tackle... That's kind that's a of a very well-rounded angler yeah, so, to be able to uh, do until, that. Until you get all, one on all three, it's purely for points. But then when you get all three, like you get the bait, you get the fly, you get the spin or, or the artificial, then you're on a different level and now you're competing for points again. Mm -hmm. So the idea would be, you know, make it harder. If you could get the one on the jig, that yeah. would probably, I mean, I almost think that it might be easier to catch one on on fly than on jig some days. Oh, I agree. Yeah. That, that was uh, something I noticed earlier this week is mm -hmm. uh, we were spin fishing all week. Yeah. And previous to, previous to that, we were fly fishing for them. So, I'll, you know, you're throwing a fly at a bonefish in the shallow water. You can, you know, put it right in front of them. Nice, soft presentation. They're going to come over and eat it. And uh, we get out there, and for some reason, I didn't really think of it. I was like, oh, there's the bonefish cast at it, and the jig plops, and they go scattering all over the place. You got to kind of rethink how, how you fish them a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but if, if you um, – I like tournaments like that have that kind of strategy to it. Like if you're really going for the win, you could also ensure a loss because you're like, okay, we caught one on bait. Now exactly. we need to fly fish for them. Exactly. So now you fish all day Either on all day one, and maybe maybe you catch the one early on bait, and then maybe you fish all day for them, and maybe you catch one on fly. Okay, so now you have two. But somebody else had a well full of crabs, and they went out and they caught six. So they have 600 points, and you have 200 points for fly, and, and 100 points. You have 300 points. Mm -hmm. So they're really winning. But if you can get that jig Last fish one. the next day... Then somebody could have twelve hundred points, and it won't matter. Yeah, and you could. Yep. So there's all this strategy, and mm -hmm. it's like you could go out there, and you're like, I don't think the condition. I don't think anybody's going to catch all three, so I'm just going to rack up the points. And then, but you could also do it to where if you just catch them on, if you just have one level of bait, no matter what that is, or one level of fish, like if you catch bait fish, catch it on bait, or you catch it on fly, or you catch it on jig, then it's all still on points. But if you put two of those together, then you're on a second tier. Yeah, I like the idea of the If you put three of, of those together, yeah, yeah, I think it's cool. You should put that tournament yeah. together. I'll come fish it with you. <laughs> <laughs> you do all the hard work, and I'll just show up and and fish. Uh, that would be fun, though. But that would nobody's ever put together a permit tournament. I mean, other than the fly tournament. Other than the fly only. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, Interesting concept because if you have, you know, a, a permit angler, say he's a really good fly guy, uh, most of them have or a lot of them anyway, have never fed a crab to a permit. Right. Or even held a spinning rod. Right. Um, I have some some guys that, you know, will do the spin fly trip, and uh, it's windy or whatever, and I'm like, you know, why don't you just grab a crab, 
and they can't cast a spin oh, rod no. at all. But you oh, let's go a, back to the crab. Let's get, go back to the fly. Yeah, and you give them a fly <laughs> rod, and they're throwing farther with the fly rod than uh-huh. they can with the spin rod. I've seen rod. that a lot of times. Yeah, and you're like, well, let's just let's just get it over with, and they they throw the crab right off the hook on the first cast. You're like, yeah. oh boy, and then the second cast it goes behind them, and then the third <laughs> cast it's like, man, we're gonna. I, I, I seriously, I don't want to insult you, but this could possibly be the worst insult possible is that we stand a better chance to catch one on fly than you throwing that live crab because you're terrible <laughs> you well, are it's what people have done then, you know right and uh, then the crab is something you know it's not like throwing a jig sometimes that crab kind of frisbees off yeah, catches a little bit the breeze, sometimes, yeah. you know yeah. especially if you don't throw it real hard yeah but, yeah there aren't that many anglers that are um there aren't that many anglers that are just common everyday guided anglers that are good with fly spin and plug but when you get into some of those tournaments you'll see them and mm-hmm. they do exist and yeah. they are there like mm-hmm. a jim boker or you know dan zakari or um troy perez those guys they can do it get it done on yeah, oh, all yeah. of it yeah. oh yeah they can get it done yeah. and and you know you'll see the same guys that are in the in the tarpon tournaments and they'll win like a an artificial tournament too and they'll win that's the guy that's that's the one you want He's the angler. So, uh, so what is it that you're the most excited about as far as, um, as far as your fishing goes in Key West and uh, you're five years into it now, Mm -hmm. you're developing a pretty good clientele. A lot of good things are happening for you. What are the, what are the things that you're most excited for? Like if you kind of blue sky this next year coming up. What am I excited for? Um, probably to just excuse me uh build on the things i already know and just unlock new doors and new ways to do things and new places say let's just take example fly fishing for tarpon or whatever it is um not something i did a a lot of uh working for steve on the bay boats you know it's never really happened so i'm really kind of just um, it's something that I don't have completely 100%. There is no questions asked. This is what you should do. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas, you know, something else, you know, maybe a little bit more confident or whatever it is. But there's always, in my mind, the next fly, the next technique, the next way to fish, you know, something different. I mean, everyone's out there catching fish, but if you can kind of, create a new challenge for your angler and just bring it to a whole nother level. I think that that that'd be something really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just something, something new to this fishery. It is, is what brought me down here in the first place. Um, I, I grew up doing the snook and redfish thing and uh, I thought about Key West. I was like, well, I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very challenging fishery. And, um, that's kind of what attracted me to it. You know, it's not something you can just walk out there and do. Um, so to just, again, you know, take, take it to a completely whole new level, whether it be learn new fish on certain tides or certain spots, I want there to be no conditions that I can't go and find a fish, you know, whether it be blowing 20 out of the North, 20 out of the South and overcast or not overcast. There is somewhere where you can go out there and do whatever you want to do, whether it be a permit or a bonefish or whatever it is. Like there's, there's so much that goes on in this fishery that there's no way you could ever know about. I mean, let's say you, you have one Island and let's say you fished around that Island a hundred times. Um, but whether it's 
fall, winter, summer, spring, there's going to be a different kind of fish around that island, whether it's going to be high tide, low tide, or everywhere in between, there's going to be different fish coming through that island. So to be able to be at that spot at every tide stage during every season, during every condition and know what's going to happen. I mean, there's no other way to do it except for to get out there. And like you heard me say earlier, you know, learn something new every day, try something new every day and that you're going to ensure that you learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the, the biggest thing I look forward to is just exploration, discovery, bringing this bar of the fishery and finding a way to raise that bar. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. Is it going to be done? Sure. Someone's going to do it. Um, just Well, each, each guide has their, has their evolution as a, as a guide, and, and there's like things that you learn that open whole like a whole universe. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first saw my first laid up tarpon and I was like, Oh, I wonder if it's possible I could find like places where they do this regularly. And then it goes on this, this mad search quest for, for laid up tarpon. all over. The next thing I know I'm up in <laughs> hell's bay and doing yeah. crazy things and, and f- finding, you know, all kinds of new spots and going out and some days, once you unlock this secret, yeah. you're kind of like, oh, well, there's one, and they should be over there. And then you run over there. They are there. Mm-hmm. And then you run over here, and they are there, too. And then you unlock this this big thing, or maybe it's the bonefish, or maybe it's the uh, permit or the, mm-hmm. you know, like I started um, doing this thing with the with the Goliath groupers under the mangroves, and that was so cool. And I, and I, I was like, well, I wonder if I took somebody here, if they would think it was as cool as I did. And then yeah. they thought it was even cooler than I did. And I was like, well... That's something you could do on a cloudy day. Oh yeah! And so then I started running around every single island there is. You know, like oh, they're there too. They're there, there. there. They're here, there. You know, and you just get so excited about these things, and you have these these evolutions of of your guiding career because, like, if you're just, I mean, for me, like, if I was just fly fishing for tarpon, fly fishing for permit, and fly fishing for bonefish, I'm only taking that so far after. 10 years or 12 mm-hmm. years of doing that. You got the same clients. Yep. You're going and doing the same things. And it was when I had kids that things really changed for me because I, I got a bay boat, first of all, and we brought the bay boats down here and then taking my kids fishing and they can't do a lot of the things that I'm doing with my clients on a regular basis. Like they're not going to go out and sight cast permit. You know, they're two years old. Yeah. So we're going up against the mangroves and we're, the idea is to catch snappers, but all of a sudden somebody hooks into something that burns you under the under the bri- under the bushes, takes all the line, breaks it off. And you're like, what hmm. was that? What was that? And so you take the kids back there a few more times. Doesn't happen. Then you go back there on your own on a day off or something. I'm going to figure out what Check that was. Yep. And it's a big snook, or it's a it's a redfish, or it's a you know giant Goliath groupers under there, or any number of things. Mm-hmm. And then th- you unlock that little thing, and then there's these there's these little doors that open up. World of I know stuff to learn and try and different ways to do things. It's, but I think uh, I think that that the guide has to keep his mind open a little bit and kind of open to those opportunities. Like like we were talking before about. Like, do you really want your clientele to be a hundred percent fly? Mm-hmm. And that's a that's an interesting question because the fly guys pay well, they book way in advance, they really are avid 
They're going to be practiced for the mm-hmm. most part when they get on the boat. They're going to be good customers. They usually bring lunch. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. They send you Christmas presents. Like the fly <laughs> guys are, are, they're the best customers. Yeah. But at the same time, they don't really want to come in January. So like. Yeah. I don't know. It, it depends on, on the mentality. There's, there's a lot of the fly guys that are the high, uh, diehard driven, you know, I'm only here to catch big tarpon or, or permit or whatever. I have some fly guys that won't even cast at a bonefish. You know, it's like, I'm only here to try and catch the hardest thing possible, a permit. And it's not hard for me to go one way or the other. Like when I was, uh, when I was working for Steve, we didn't really know exactly what we were doing until the morning of. So someone shows up at the dock and they say, oh, I want to go catch sharks today or I want to catch tarpon today. You're doing everything on the fly. You're learning it and you just feed off, you know, your, your client for the day and feel out what they would really enjoy doing. Um, like if you have someone that says, oh, all I want to do is catch a permit and you go out there, some jacks swim by and, and he throws at a jack and catches a jack and half the time they're like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I was like, okay, we're not going to go hunt the flats all day. Let's just go catch sharks and kudas and, and have fun and stuff like that. And, um, and the fly guys are really great. And, and me personally, it's not that I'm biased on, oh man, we're spin fishing today. I'd, I'd rather be fly fishing. Personally, it really doesn't bother bother me one way or the other. It's more about you enjoying what what you're doing. Um, it's right. not, I really enjoy the, the technical aspect of fly fishing. I really do. It's challenging, and it's something like I mentioned earlier. There's a lot of doors to be unlocked. Not that at not that it's uh, I don't really know about them. It's just that humanity doesn't know about them. Like mm. there hasn't been the this fly hasn't been ever tied before or this technique really hasn't been tried before i'm I'm sure somewhere it has and someone knows about it um but i think that's the cool part about about the fly fishing is you're taking it to a whole nother level of difficulty and challenge and uh and it's really nice on the other hand it's nice to just throw out the anchor put out some mullet or some pinfish and all of a sudden there's monster tarpon jumping all over the place and it's easy as could be you don't have to pull into the wind or worry about you know your 11 o'clock shot for the for the client it's just yeah throw out a bait and there's a big tarpon all right that's awesome sometimes but in order to get that mullet you might have had to throw the cast net 50 times (laughs) yeah Uh, i've actually never put out a mullet for a tarpon really never done it dude that's one of the greatest bites in all of fishing yeah you could take i've heard a lot about it uh, it's it really is well that's the thing you said about throwing the cast net and uh, another uh, thing i learned um working for uh steven and then as you just you can go pull up pinfish trap you drive right Right. out there pull up your pinfish you're fishing super easy yep i mean you're on that spot 20 minutes after you leave the dock you're not throwing a cast net chasing mullet around you know having to have that security of a full live well before you go out there because you don't even need the pinfish you, you can go catch them on artificials right you know don't don't stress about the bait that much unless but it's something you're really confident about you gotta try it and it, it tears them up huh? you gotta try it you gotta <laughs> figure out where the mullet are like if you can find them in in a in a dock light or something at at dark yeah and you can make that that cast net throw and you can have your mullet in the live well one throw done. before light. And oh, you go to one you. of these channels you. in the springtime when when they're just going to be slow rolling in there. And you put a mullet out, you won't believe what happens. Yeah. They'll be doing backflips and it's it's crazy. I mean, it's a good bite. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, you know, a lot of people that say, I'd rather catch, you know, 
one on fire than 10 on bait. It's like, I don't know. Have you ever seen him eat a mullet? Because yeah. it's pretty cool. Like, yeah. It really is. It's it's one of the best bites in all of fishing. I mean, tarpon obviously just hate mullet, and mullet hate to get eaten by tarpon. And <laughs> it, it makes for a great, you know, on a slick, calm morning, man, it is. I remember taking my kids to uh, a place right next to where we caught some bonefish um, when I was fishing with you. Mm-hmm. And we went all the way around and came into that little spot and it was oh, yeah. dark and I had mullet. And I had my kids there and they were probably like, maybe like five and 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 three or maybe maybe six and four. And we get there, I go up on the flat edge, pull up on the flat, come out, drop the anchor, lay back, sit the mullet out there boom 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 bombs going off oh it was incredible both my kids they still remember that like they they that was one of the best days ever because it just it was like the coolest thing and you could see the fish rolling and you could see the mullet making a way because they're going back there and they go anywhere near those things and they just explode but it's it's uh it's a great bite not a lot of people fish with mullet here um, yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah, I just didn't didn't need to. And I made such a science out of uh, live baiting with pinfish. Um, mm-hmm. And every bait fish does something a little different. Like right. a pinfish, as soon as you hook it, his first instinct generally is to swim down. Mm-hmm. You know what he's going to do when he's drifting back. Um, I mean, goes for every little different bait fish. So I don't know. I just never really branched out. But, you know uh, what? When, when I found that I didn't have um, pinfish, I don't even know if I should say this on here, but do you know do you know what a sergeant major is? Tarpon also like those. They're they have the stripes on them. They would be right at my dock, and I could catch the sergeant majors. Oh, the the pretty tropical yeah, looking beautiful. ones. Yeah, tarpon love them. Oh. <laughs> they, they love them. Yeah, I've caught tarpon on a lot of crazy things. I, I've caught them on toadfish. Yeah, um, really? I, yeah. And you hook them just the same as a pinfish. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, 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 I, I don't really don't think they care much. No. I think if there's that profile going in front of them, what, no matter what it is, they're, they're going to eat it. It's such a great bite. Yeah, before Even the, the pinfish bite's a great bite too. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah, before the, the regulations on the barracuda, I had a buddy catching them on baby barracudas. Really, <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they would probably eat them. Really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. You ever do a kite for the tarpon? No, I've never done that. Mm. No, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that's where you can get a mullet back there too. Like yeah. on a really windy day, you can mm-hmm. get you can do that. Um, and there's yeah. a lot of different kinds of fishing. Yeah, certainly. So when after you would work for Ed Walker for a little bit, did you do a little research on him and figure out who he was? Um, yeah, it didn't take long. Um, <laughs> just you know, hanging around the dock or uh, you know other people who knew of him. I was like, yeah, I'm working for this guy, and they go, <gasps> what? No way. I was like, uh, yeah, is that, is that good or something? Is that is that cool? They're like, he's the man. I was like, oh, great. And uh, I remember my first day mating, we uh, we slid uh, over by Boca Grande, and there's, you know, the thousand boats in the pass. And mm-hmm. we just kept on driving it. And I've never even caught a big tarpon before this. Never seen it. And he just strolls up in there. There's a big, huge happy pot all to ourself, not a boat in sight. First bait in there. Oh, you know, was he's uh, we were using um, uh, little thread fins or something like that. And I'm so nervous, I'm like hooking the bait, and he's casting it the first two cast off. <laughs> and he looks down at me, he's like, Oh, this is how this is gonna go. And um, finally, you know, get it in there, hook a tarp, and get it both side. Massive, like 150 pounder. First one I've ever seen up close. And <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh. He's like, Yeah, just another day. And just uh, we uh, absolutely that man just wrecked shop. 
It, yeah. was, it was really cool to watch. And uh, I just kind of took what I learned up there and applied it down here. And um, not necessarily because the fishing styles were different. Mm. Uh, it's different down here in the Keys. And uh, I, I think really what I learned a lot about working for him was was the big picture, the big migration patterns, when to expect fish in certain places and, and what they do when when no one else knows where they're at. You know, he knows where to go find them. And, and, and the same thing applies down here. Uh, when they're doing something funny or the moon phases a certain way, um, you can kind of, you know, go and look for them or whatever it may be and go out on a whim and just be confident and, uh, and you'll find them. Um, but it's definitely a different tarpon fishery down here. Mm. It's really cool because we have fishing that fish that come in so early. Um, for example, the last couple of Februarys we have have been ungodly mm-hmm. amounts of tarpon in February mm-hmm. and, uh, March gets real good and, um, they stay a little bit longer than up there. I think I'm not really a hundred percent. But uh, I don't know. It's it's cool. It's really cool. Then you get I love the little fish. Then you got the little tarpon that yep. stay around all year. Mm-hmm. Do they have that kind of fishery up there? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they have they have a couple of. Um, I'm sure way up in the creeks. And uh, what we have back home, uh, when I say back home, like Inglewood, you know, west mm-hmm. coast of Florida, is there's a landlocked juvenile tarpon. Oh, yeah. yeah, they go way up in these little lakes and stuff, and they grow up. And uh, I, I have a buddy of mine who, you know, goes in there with a, you know, little five weight and you can find all these places where all the tarpon that we're catching now are, are growing up, hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and that's kind of cool. Can it's they get out different. of those? Like you say, they're landlocked, but. So they follow like all the drainage pipes and stuff. I guess they're not landlocked. There's some sort of system for them yeah. to get out and stuff like that. But it's, uh, you're catching bass on one cast and a tarpon with yeah, the other. Yeah, that's super cool. So that's cool. And uh, I'm sure they have some of the normal, you know, juvenile tarpon and stuff like that. But I would say, you know, the Keys and the Everglades have a lot of fish did you see that tournament recently that was the the poonfecta and it was all about catching the super micro oh, I did baby see that. yeah i did see that yep. yeah it looked cool yeah it looks like a great cool format yeah yeah that's definitely a neat concept have you ever gone up in the everglades and caught those the micro micros I mean, they're like we yeah, there's tiny, a there's tiny. a spot here in the lower keys where you can you can do that yeah. you know real cold day or whatever you go sneak up through the mangroves and there's a little spot that has these baby, baby, baby tarpons. And uh, you know where I saw a lot of those when I was fishing um, Mosquito Lagoon? Mm. You have to take these little side roads out in the middle of nowhere, and there's these little drainage ditches off the side that have a ton of little baby, baby tarpon. And uh, when I was working for Ed, we did the, um, uh, Moat Marine did a tarpon genetic recapture study program for four years. One year, actually, we had more samples in just the two months we fished than anyone else hmm. all year long on the Gulf Coast. But there was a guy on the um, east coast of Florida who had the most tarpon samples, and that's where he was. He was up in there, and he was just catching tons of the little baby babies. And as to whether it's a 150-pounder or a half a pounder, it still counts as a, as right. a tarpon sample. Right. Um, but, yeah, they learned a lot about just, you know, their whole little lifestyle and how they grow up and wonder All if they stuff. ever recap. It'd be cool if they ever recapture one of those mm-hmm. little tiny ones somewhere. Yeah, that that's just something crazy to think about when you're staring at these little guys. Like, are they going to be coming through the lineup on the ocean side 30 years from now? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I saw that one in a ditch somewhere know, 15 ditch. years ago or whatever. I kind of think, and I don't know this, I need to talk to a scientist about it, but it seems like seems like they would grow kind of quickly to about 10 pounds and then slow down, but I don't, I don't know. 
if they do because it just seems like if they if they keep that that real slow growth they're just so takes ready to be eaten by another fish yeah like you know and then you see the little ones like we have underneath the mangroves that are mm-hmm. you know 20 25 yeah. to to 36 inches long seems like those are very young fish but i don't know i kind of think maybe they might they might grow to that size in a couple of years and then yeah. Maybe then slow down after that. I don't know the science that. behind that. I know they have a really long larval stage. Yeah. But outside of that, I'm not sure their their growth rate. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. We'll have to do that on another podcast yeah. uh, with the tarpon scientists. Um, well, that's cool. Um, so did you ever watch the, the movie with Ed Walker and Billy Pate? Uh, I don't think so. I Did know, you even know I he's know, in I the didn't movie. know about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's in the he's in the most classic um uh fly fishing film of all time. Like Billy Pate did um two tarpon films and he's in the second one, I think, all about fishing Homosassa. And uh yeah, man, he's That's cool. I know he spent a lot of time up there. First time I ever met him, he's like, Yeah, Ed Walker. I was like, like Ed Walker, like from the Billy Pate movies, and he's like, mm, yeah. And I was oh, like, see, I didn't no even know that. Kidding, man. See? This guy that I used to work awesome. for gets cooler and cooler every day. <laughs> He's a cool dude, man. He's a cool dude. And then uh, when uh as soon as the the hurricane hit where I met Ed, we were both down helping Scott Walker to um to clean up his house. So like in a time of need, you know, Ed packed it up and came down. Mm-hmm. He had a he has a, a house that he goes to on uh Big Pine, I guess. And so he was interested in that. But I mean, dude, I saw it. Ed Walker, he puts on the gloves and gets to work. You know, mm-hmm. when, it, when it's time to work, he he did it. And uh, I just thought he was super cool. We spent a, a weekend clean, cleaning up uh, Walker's house and, and Duck Key. You know, not just Walker's house, but we were going around to all the different houses that yeah. Scott Walker's like the mayor of Duck Key and and um, the unofficial mayor of Duck Key, allegedly. Yeah. And um, it, so everybody had the, was like, oh, if you're there, because we came by boat. We we took a boat to the Keys way before the roads were open, and everybody's like, "Well, can you go get all the food out of our refrigerators and make sure the roof's not leaking?" And so we went in basically a lot of people's houses down there and cleaned out their refrigerators and stuff. But Ed Ed's a good dude, man, mm-hmm. and he really knows a lot about he really knows a lot about fishing. He's that's that's cool that you have that kind of experience because th- I find that the more places that I fish and the more people that I fish with the more knowledge you can bring back to your home water and and it mm-hmm. it applies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like you said they got to have an open mind. There's a lot of different ways to do things and piece together everyone's little little tricks and stuff and create your own way to the way to do it. It's pretty cool. What about other places? Do you go fish anywhere else around the world? Um I had my first ever destination fly fishing trip. Um, went to, uh, Baja, Mexico with the boys to go try and get a rooster fish. Could, uh, finally afford to go on a vacation (laughs) and, uh, try and do that. And, uh, that was my first time out of the country actually. And it was, uh, it was really cool. Um, we were basically running up and down the beach on, on, uh, ATVs until you, until you see the fish, you know, they'd be cruising or whatever they're doing and then get out and throw at them. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. I didn't get one. Yeah. And uh, I am completely okay with it. Yeah, uh, I just have the mentality nowadays where I just want to experience the fishery. Mm-hmm. Um, I could really care less 
if I catch a fish. And, and honestly, to tell you the truth, it's going to sound really weird coming from a fisherman, but uh, I really don't enjoy reeling fish in that much. <laughs> it doesn't really do anything for me. I'll do, I'll do one big tarp in a year. Whenever I'm out on the boat fishing, there's always someone with me who would enjoy it a lot more than I yeah. would. And uh, I really like putting people, people on fish. Um, but anyways, back to the rooster fish. Yeah, it was really cool. They were cruising up and down the beach. I remember the first, the first day of the first time I saw one, I was like, oh, I'm staring at a rooster fish. <laughs> this is wild. Um, but I uh, probably got, you know, a couple follows a day. Um, but it, it was different. It wasn't like um, something like a, like a tarpon who you can kind of talk into feeding or like a permit where you have to be super stealthy and accurate and then that's going to be rewarding. These, uh, these rooster fish we were throwing at, it was kind of more of like a numbers game and just finding a fish with the right attitude. Some, there, was, there was this one point where there was this pair of fish in the surf. They were you know, right where the waves were crashing. You can hit them with the end of your rod tip hmm. running down the beach. And me and a buddy would take turns, kind of, you know, bunny hopping mm-hmm. along. He'd get some cast, chase him until he's out of breath. I'd run up ahead. And we'd chase these pair of fish down the beach for hundreds of yards. And then finally, after the 30th cast in their face, one came over and, and ate a fly. Hmm. It was just weird. It was it was just different to it's have. pretty physical fishing. 30 casts, hopscotch all the way down oh, through yeah. there. Oh, yeah. You're getting after it. My yeah. feet were shredded by the end of the week. I bet. <laughs> it's running in soft sand mm-hmm. as fast as you can. Yeah. I did that when Christmas Island for the giant trevally. Oh, you did, the, you did story. the GT thing over yeah. there? Yeah. Uh, I was fishing with um, Moana, and and he, he put us out there, and I was like, I can go get that fish and i ran down and i'd throw to it and then he just kept going and i ran down and did that but i was by myself mm-hmm. with two people that's a great idea you yeah. know because then you, you get more more casts but man I, I didn't get mine either but i thought the thing was going to take my leg off <laughs> i mean it came past the fly and kept coming came at, at me and that's a big fish and they're very aggressive looking but I didn't. I didn't hook that one. I thought I was going to. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. One of the one of the highlights of my whole fishing career, I think, because I was and I turn around and look at the boat after that thing kind of charged at me, and I look at the boat. And it's a little <laughs> speck back there. I'm like, oh Dang, gosh, man! If that thing took my leg off, I don't even think I could. I could. Uh, and you're out there in the middle of oh, nowhere. Man, yeah, yeah. That's a cool place if you ever yeah. if you ever want to go. Yeah, I like I like doing the destination trips too. Mm-hmm. I don't get to do yeah, them I as could much. Get, I could get into that. Yeah. Uh, I have a. A buddy doing a having a bachelor party in uh, Louisiana in January. Oh, you should definitely go there. So I'm gonna fly in a day early and uh, fish and just again I could care less how many fish I catch. I just want to check out the fishery and you know here I've heard a lot about it, so it'll be cool to well, do the chances redfish are thing. And, if you go to Louisiana in January, you're probably gonna catch a lot. Yeah, um, it can be very good up mm-hmm. there in the winter time. Um, the fall is probably the best. But are you going to Venice? Uh, yeah, so we're staying in Venice. Yep. Mm. Yeah. That's where the bachelor party is going to be? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's only, it's two days and we're, we're fishing both days. So I don't think there'll be much partying involved, but. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, sounds, uh, sounds dangerous. <sighs> but Venice is, uh, Venice is such an incredible place to fish. God, it's so awesome. So that'll be cool. It's, it, uh, I could totally get into the, uh, traveling and checking out new places and different fisheries. And- yeah. Well, you're in a perfect position to do it. You know, yeah. as a, as a young fishing guide, I did that, uh, a number of times and got to go all over the place, Australia, Christmas Island, um, the Bahamas, uh, where else do we go? Alaska a couple times. And, uh, you just talk to your clients. You got the whole year. And probably, you're probably going to have one of these lodge owners 
come come across your bow mm-hmm. and you can talk to them about it and be like, look, if I bring, how many people would I need to bring to come for free? And that's basically how it goes. Yeah. And so, I mean, there have been those deals out there to where, you know, if you bring five, you come for free. If you bring 10, then you earn that, what, what one person would cost. So you go mm-hmm. for free and you get paid, you know, whatever that person, yeah. that extra person, say it's $3,000 for mm-hmm. a week. So they you come home with three thousand dollars. That's pretty good. But you gotta round up twelve people or yeah. ten people or whatever. And uh, but you're in a perfect position to do it because you can talk to your people all year long, talk to them about this trip you're gonna take mm-hmm. to the Amazon or to Australia or to Alaska or whatever, and they start signing up. Yeah. And then you go for free. Yeah, I've never even thought of that. No, it's a good deal. That's cool. It's a hosted trip, you yeah. know, and that can be, you know, just try it with one. Yeah. In, a, in an easy place mm-hmm. for for the first time, and then after a while, you know, you have two trips a year: you know, a fall trip and a spring trip, or yeah, you know, a winter trip and a and a fall trip, or something like that. But you're in a perfect spot to do it, and you can you can go and travel and do that really mm-hmm. easily. Pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. If I Australia was probably my favorite trip. You have done Australia. What were you uh, chasing after down there? That place is like the keys that there are a ton of species. I think we counted up at the end. I think we caught 52 different species of fish in a week. Yeah. It's incredible. So Australia is kind of like the United States upside down. And there's this, there's this peninsula that goes off kind of the, the North East corner, kind of, if you look at it like that. And that peninsula is kind of like Florida. And it, and this area is called the Bay of Carpentaria. And so you go up into that Carpentaria Peninsula like that. And as you start going north, it starts to look more and more like Florida going south. Like from from Cairns up there, Cairns would be kind of like North Florida maybe, or maybe Orlando mm-hmm. kind of. And as you start going north, you're going closer to the equator. And you start seeing... Tropical, we, Yeah, so you speak. start seeing very very similar plants like you might see something that looks almost identical to a hibiscus or to you know to all the different kind of palm trees that we have and then mm-hmm. you, you know as you're getting closer and closer to your destination it's looking more and more like keys or um south florida at least deep south florida mm-hmm. and we got on a mothership and went all the way up to the very top and then we there were all these river mouths that were coming out so very similar to the Everglades where you got like the Shark River coming out up there. And so you would stay right there and you could go offshore first thing in the morning because the wind would usually pick up. Mm. And they had these fish that were like, uh, they called them Spanish mackerel, but they were really kind of more like a wahoo. They were really good to eat. And so you could catch those in the morning. They had some tuna species out there. They had cobia. Cobia was the only oh, thing really? that was exactly like our cobia. I mean, that was the same species. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I couldn't tell any discernible difference between that. But there yeah. were a bunch of fish that were similar to our fish. Like, I, know, they had I the noticed permit. that in uh, in Baja, where there was I was snorkeling, and there was something that looked almost exactly like a yellowtail snapper, uh-huh. but it was just a little, a little bit different. Off. Yeah, yeah, a little different. It'd be interesting to eat that fish and see what it, see what they taste like. Yeah, if it was the same on the plate. But like the main species that we were going after, I went down there to catch permit um, because. Uh, at the time, not many what people. What species of permit would that be Indo-Pacific called? Indo Pacific. Yeah, at the time, not many people had had done both. You know, caught a, a you know a permit around here and the Indo Pacific permit. So I wanted to try to do that, and I went down there and caught 
two or three of them, they're not as hard to catch no. as our permit. They're not, not at all. Or I hit a great day. Yeah. And, and so once I had caught two or three, I was like, well, it seems like I don't think I want to spend my whole trip doing, doing this. this. Yeah. Let's see what else like, is going yeah, on. Yeah. Let's see what else is going on. And, yeah. and this was before 9-11. So I took a huge amount of rods and reels down there. I had mm-hmm. spin, plug, and fly. I had so much gear, so much flies, so much jigs, everything. And uh, then we caught um, queen fish. We ended up catching some world record queen fish. That was a great fish. It was kind of like a combination between a tarpon and a jack crevel almost. And Perfect. They look like they look like a leather jack here. Do you know mm-hmm. what a leather jack is? Yep, I've they have seen that, the queen fish. I know that, what you're talking about. They have about. that one spine that kind of goes a little bit forward. Yeah. Well, our leather jackets are like this big, but... The queen fish are like this, and they're Big guys, but they bite. Oh, they aggressive, the, the, yeah. So, they're perfect. The, the Jack Cravel part is that they eat mm-hmm. a lot of different things surface, down low, jigs, whatever. You can catch them on all different kinds of stuff. And then they jump out of the water, which is kind of like the tarpon, but they just love to eat. That was fun. But then they have a barramundi, which is like kind of like closest would be to our snook. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an oxeye herring which looks exactly like a baby tarpon like this. <laughs> but when you throw into a school of them, they're like Jack Cravels. You can catch 15, 20 of them before the school spooks. Figures if the school ever on. does spook. Like, wow, perfect. crazy. Super fun. So you fun. think it's just an unpressured fishery? Is, is uh, that, there's is that no why? pressure. But I don't. I think that the fish are, are similar. But you know how like you get in a school of jacks or whatever, and the more you catch, the more excited they are, and the more you can catch. Where mm-hmm. you get in a school of permit, you catch one, and they all they're all like, mm-hmm. uh, something's wrong." And there's just they're very similar fish, but one is just like, "Man, action means there's something to something eat, something going on." Like, yeah, so we need to go check that out, yeah. And and you can just keep catching them. And then there's another fish that that's just not in their nature. They're yeah. just like, Mm-mm, Mm-mm, "No, this is not good on, at all," yeah. and I'm out of here. And so, I don't know, there were just a lot of those fish down there that just seemed like they were just in that, they had the nature of wanting to check it out. So you could just keep catching them one after another. They had those threadfin salmon, which kind of look like a carp and they got their eyes kind of low and they've got these, these catfish kind of mm-hmm. whiskers. Cool fish, man. Cool fish. There were so many different fish down there. And we would catch, we went out to the reef where we really racked up on the species and we're just dropping jigs down there. Mm-hmm. And every time we dropped down there, we'd catch something different. And like here, it was similar. Like, you know, like that kind of looks like a gray snapper. And that kind of looks like a yellowtail. That kind of looks like, you know, I don't know what this thing looks like. It's this is totally new. And then we caught a cobia, which was exactly the same. But that of all the fish we caught, that one was the only one that was exactly the same. Like when you pick up the permit, you're like, oh, it looks a little different. Like it's got a different nose on it and it's got a little different coloring and it's got shorter fins and, you know, it's close. Mm -hmm. It looks a lot like a permit, but slightly different, you know, but you could do that, man. You could go and they have some amazing trips down there on those motherships. The the guy that I did it with is no longer doing it, but I think there's, I think there's a, a company called Nomad that does some just wild stuff where they do some of that stuff and they go out to the Great Barrier Reef. So when I think of Australia fishing um, on that side there you were talking about, isn't that where the big marlin come in shallow on the flats? Well, I don't know about the flats. Um, I've heard about people doing that. We Mm -hmm. didn't see anything like that. And we were, uh, also when I see those people 
fishing for those and releasing them on the flats and stuff like that, we were absolutely told not to go anywhere close to the water and don't wade anywhere because they're um, giant crocodiles where we were. Mm. Um, and they, That's I spooky. think they could I have heard get that. you. Oh, I heard they do get you. Uh, yeah, well, I, they didn't get me because I, 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 they said don't wade, and I said, okay, <laughs> no I'm problem. not going to. Yeah. I do not want to get yeah. eaten I by a giant crocodile. I took a guy fishing who was from nor- northern Australia, I guess, is where all yeah. the bad stuff is. He said everything up there is trying to kill you. Yeah, Whether That's it's why a I think it was so great that you stayed on this boat. Or yeah, it's so great whatever. that we stayed on this boat because we didn't, I mean, we touched land a couple of times, mm-hmm. but not much. I mean, yeah. we there was a big uh, crocodile, dead crocodile, up on on one of these sandbars we went by, and it was huge. Yeah, I mean, huge, huge. Yeah, so we didn't get in there, but I I don't know where they do that uh, on the flats. I think that might be a little closer to the barrier reef, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't know. That yeah, looks pre- know. that looks super cool. Yeah, there's a lot of cool places in this world to check out. I know. I, I'm trying to decide what's next. Uh-huh. I don't know. Me too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so I know that when people listen to this, they're also going to watch the show. What did you think about um, shooting the show? I thought it was awesome. I remember when you first messaged me on uh, on Instagram. It was, I guess, someone was talking about uh, us doing a podcast, and you kind of messaged me, and we talked about that a little bit. I think it was a, a month or so later, he said, hey, we're coming down to film for a couple of days. I'd love to do a flat show. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. <laughs> I've been watching you and Rich fish together since I was a little kid. You know, it was mm-hmm. like always my favorite fishing show to watch on TV. And uh, to actually be a part of it was, was incredible. It was so cool. Had you ever done a TV show before? No. Did no. you have any idea what it took to make one? No, I I probably still don't know everything that well, it actually I mean, takes. I don't know. It's like a slow moving ship, and it's really difficult to turn. And oh. like on the, you know, I would think that on the way that we did it is probably about the most nimble and smallest crew that yeah. we ever go with. But I, so I've done some some photo shoots and stuff like that with companies, and I've been involved with the. Uh, you know, step by step and what it takes to get the shots and stuff like that. So I was, you know, knew what was I was getting into there. Um, but uh, I but, did. Yeah, it was different. I did. When I started the TV show, we, we came straight from the, the, the uh, competitive tournament world where we would stop someplace, look with binoculars real fast and be back on, maybe not even turn the engine off and then back up on plane and looking for something else mm-hmm. to this other world of, it's exactly the opposite with the television yep. show. And sometimes over the years, people have, have have been critical that we don't catch enough fish on the show. And I'm like, man, dude, if you knew what we had to do, you'd be surprised we catch anything. <laughs> I am. I'm surprised we catch anything because, like, you know, you had everything all wired. You, like, compliments to you. You really had our plan dialed in and you were going to fish here and then here and then here. And you wanted to be in all three of those places in about 15 minutes so you could hit the same tide window. And I'm hearing you talk, and I'm like, no way. He's going to be disappointed Uh-oh. when he sees how this goes. Because <laughs> it's like, okay, we got to go. And Well, now- your crew did a great job, too. You know, there wasn't really ever a point uh, where I was, like, worried about, you know, them. They were they did their job. You know, we, we just went fishing. There was a couple times where, all right, you know, let's set up for a second and take our time and make sure the cameras are rolling. But um, but everyone did a good job. It didn't really get in my way that much. Yeah. No, it's it's a little bit easier, honestly, with bonefish permit or tarpon, 
because we don't catch as many as like if you're trying to catch redfish or something like that mm-hmm. and you can catch a lot of them or the school might be moving and you might need to catch one to kind of understand where they that drives those guys crazy because if they're away and we had to learn this the hard way if if they can't make a good shot you might as well have not even caught it yeah but then we're trying to communicate to them that sometimes we know that and we have to catch this fish so that we can keep the school right here yeah. or that we can kind of understand what they're doing or even know if they're going to bite or yeah. whatever and it just drives them completely crazy yeah because i'm sure they're on the same just as much as you want to catch the fish they want to catch that shot yeah that's all they're they're only there for that and so sometimes they might think that we're only doing that because we want to have fun but we're all working you know like it's like you know we've already had fun now we're all out here to try to film a tv show i know that but yeah sometimes we got to move fast and sometimes we got to catch a fish and you know it's a slow moving ship though compared to like a charter or when you're out there with your buddies, you're like, no fish here, let's go. And now it's like, well, hold on, we gotta okay, put we up gotta, all this camera. We gotta gear. land the drone, it's out there flying somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like oh. runaway drone. Yeah. Jason's like, over there scouting for fish. I'm like, we need to be somewhere in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like if I had known this, we would have kept pulling. Yeah. Um, but but you did a great job on that. And it was fun. It was uh it was um it was my birthday and I had decided that we were going to catch a slam right away. And you were on the same page. Oh yeah. So whenever, whenever possible, that's what I, I like to try and do unless someone has their mind fixed on, on, you know, I'm only here to catch big tarpon or something. If, mm-hmm. Given the opportunity, you know, it's, it's, so nice do you to do. tell people that in the beginning? Like, no, I think we should try to slam. No, no, I don't, I don't do that. And unless they come to me and they see, I've been getting a lot of slams and they, they really want one and they, Say, oh, you know, it'd be cool to, you know, try and do a slam. I'm like, oh, great, you know. So you know what we're gonna do. You've you've heard about it, read about it. Um, we're not gonna sit here and bang on all the baby tarp, and we're gonna get one and get out, and uh, which is cool. But no, I don't, I don't. That's go into good. A charter saying That's that. the best thing is that communication with the angler and knowing that, mm-hmm. like, when you get there and there's there's 20 baby tarp and rolling around, mm-hmm. we're not gonna stay here until they're all gone. Yeah. Like, and and Are honestly, you okay I think in the with catching and leaving as as a fishing guy down here in the, in the Keys, I think that is so important. If you're out there all day every day, you can't bang up on these fish, whether it's a tarpon or a school of bonefish. Like, yeah, there's some days if that's like the only thing you have going, and you have to go back there for like two or three days in a row, it's fine. But you, you can't do that. These fish, they're educated. There's, I mean, there's some groups of of baby tarpon that. You can pull in from a hundred yards out and they're still not going to bite because they've been getting beat up three times a day. And then you go come down off plane and the tarpon come out from under the bushes to look at you and they'll eat a sock. It's just the different, different fish and you just can't beat up on them like that. It's better to get, get one and get out and go find some more stuff anyway. It is. But on the other hand, if you sit there and, and mess with those fish all day, you're not messing with others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just no, like... No, you're right, you're right, you're right. You know, I, I think of it the same way. I mean, I, I, I don't like to to beat up on on those fish, and it, 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 it hurts to watch it or to be in a tournament situation to where you... You have to, like, you know, you've overstayed your welcome, yeah. but you have to stay there because all you need is one more tarpon and mm-hmm. you only have an hour left in the tournament yeah. and you've overstayed your welcome and maybe you can pull this off and maybe you can't, but you know, you're putting undue yeah. pressure on these tur- things. Tournament is, 
no holds. I mean, you're going for it. You're going to destroy them. You yeah. just, this is what you're there to do. Like, that's the whole reason you lay off them the other 90% of the time right. is for, you know, that situation where you have to get it done, you know, and that's fine. And then after that, you know in your head, okay, I'm not going to fish them for a couple of weeks now. You know, thank you. I appreciate you giving me that one more tarpon that gave me my win and I will not fish you for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, um, that's the balance. It's yeah. a delicate balance. Yeah. But, uh, but the slam thing's a lot of fun. Um, I, I really like it because it, it gives the angler a chance to do the, uh, try out the different fisheries. You know, it's, uh, it's sight fishing a permit is different from sight fishing a bonefish, which is different from catching a tarpon and, and keeping it on the line even. You know, and uh, you're you're running around a lot. You're trying a bunch of different things. I don't know. It's the ultimate. It is. I mean, there's, there's the, the highest point you can accomplish as a, as an angler is a, I think a, a Florida Keys Grand Slam tarpon permit bonefish. It's the most challenging thing you can do. Mm-hmm. I also uh, think it's the most challenging thing you can do as a guide. Yeah, it is very difficult. You know, I mean, um, if, if, uh, say for example, you have the guy who shows up at the dock and says, I want to slam today, or just, just like you, you said, okay, I want to slam when I come down on my trip or whatever it is. Um, well, I was okay with it because I was ready to tell the story of what a slam is on the television show. Like, it's great if we have success, if we, mm-hmm. if we are successful in getting a slam, that's going to make a great TV show. But if we're unsuccessful in getting a slam, I was ready to tell that story too, of mm-hmm. why are we unsuccessful in getting the slam? Because we just ran out of time or because we Something couldn't find happened, one yeah. and it would make for an interesting story. And so I was already ready for that. So yeah. like I was, but I was like, okay, if I get the shot, I'm going to make it happen. i try, I thought. I didn't do so good on a couple of them. <laughs> you got it done, man. It's all that matters. <laughs> I got it done, but I could have gotten it done earlier. Uh, that one on the edge of Northwest Channel. Was, oh, gosh. He freaking mm. had the crab in his mouth three different times. Yeah, but I it could like see it halfway out. In. I've never yeah, seen was, one do, quite, was do weird. it quite like that before. And that was funny because that was our first, you know, we got the tarpon. Uh, we got the bonefish. And we're like, okay, you know, here we're, we're looking for some permit. And we were, we pulled for a, a minute. Right. And you're like, oh, there's one. And you throw it in there, and he goes over and what looks like eats the crab. I'm like, there's no way they're going to make it this easy for yeah. us. Well, he did eat it. He did. Yeah, he did. But he ate it, and he had it like a dog with a bone just in between his lips and was going away. And I was like, well, maybe the crab slid up the line, and he, the hook's in there. And so I'm waiting for him to get I, it I figure that he's either going to swim around right in front of the boat and kind of go out like, like that, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to watch him go you know, and spit it, you know? And so I was like, I got to do something. Like he's yeah. had it for like 30 seconds, yeah. Yeah. And, but I could see it. Yeah. I knew. yeah. That was a funny, that was a funny transaction. Well, Permit and Rich's critters? line got all wrapped around there. You know what, Tom? So up. people ask me or have asked me since we filmed that show, they're like, so how was filming the show? And of course I'm like, oh, it was awesome. It was great. And I'm like, but one of the funniest things was watching Tom and Rich fish. We were, they were geared up. They had one rod in their hand, the other rod in the belt. And the first bonefish you caught, I'll tell, okay, here we go. There's the bonefish coming. Tom puts his perfect cast way out in front of the school of bonefish. They're coming right into it. And here comes Rich, runs up, almost shoves him out of the way, casts over his line. Like, These two are competitive. You know, they're just all about <laughs> catching the fish. And you do the same thing to him. It's like, all right, we're both firing in there. Kinda. <laughs> I mean, well, yes, we have that. We we got that way on the redfish, the tournament redfish. 
where yeah. we were fishing well, those tournaments. We could tell you two have worked fish fished a lot together. Yeah, but not enough because he got my line. He got his line all caught around right when the permit ate that crab. I'm like, yeah, did you have to throw it at that fish? Because this we could be done like now. It yeah. could be over. Yeah. And uh, anyway, but yeah, no, it's a you know we have the difficulty of of filming a show also means that as an angler on that show, you got to make happen whatever opportunities you get. Yeah. Because there aren't going to be that many. I mean, basically, whatever you would normally have on a regular day, now you have two boats going down. You're going to have, you, you have hatches slamming and, and sandwiches being eaten behind you. And you've got, you know, everything is going on. Drones overhead, all kinds of weird stuff that you mm-hmm. don't normally have. And so when you get shot, you really need to you, you make need, it happen. You need it. Yeah, you, you really you need, need to make it happen. Yeah. Because it might not, you might not get another one. Yeah. Um, so, even if the fishing's great. Yeah. Because then once we catch that fish, as you saw, now we're going to release it. Now, okay, let's do another net thing. Let's, yeah. let's, okay, you were down there. Let's stand up and shake hands again. Yeah. And it's all this. Now let's talk about the fish let's again. Let's talk about it. That's now let's, that, yeah. let's, uh, now we've drifted off into nowhere and, and now we're still talking about the fish and the yeah. waves are coming up and, it's just, it's just a funny, it's just a funny kind of thing, but it's a slow moving ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah it wasn't that, that bad as you make it, as you make it sound. Yeah. Well, um, the end of the blue one is, is even slower moving yeah, because well, everything's got to get battened down because you're offshore. Everything could get wet very easily. So now everything has to be buttoned up just perfectly. And once it gets buttoned up just perfectly, it is more difficult to get out, obviously. Than, yeah. But yeah, it was good. It was great. You you did mm-hmm. a great job, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you're it. a it great cool. guest. Yeah. So this will go out before the show comes comes out, but then we'll we'll push it out to when when the show comes out, and that'll probably be one of the first ones out. Cool um, on Discovery Channel this year. Yeah, that was that was so much fun, Tom. I right couldn't on. thank we'll you do again, again for having me, man. We'll do it again. So uh, how does uh, everybody follow Tailing Water Expeditions? Is that your that's your company, right? Yep. Yep. Um, I really do a lot of Instagram stuff, honestly. It's just so in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> What's your deal with black and white? Um, I think I, I like it. Yeah, no, just, you know what? I started wondering. that. Um, I think there's just a couple reasons subconsciously, like why I wanted to do that. Um, a lot was because I have so many um other fishing people following me. I just didn't want them picking out spots and backgrounds and makes it a little bit harder for people to catch on. And um also, I mean it's on the story in the story I do the black and white and mm. um I don't know it's just I feel like that should just be a little little teaser of you know what's actually going on out there I like it um yeah I like it in black yeah, it's and just, white it's just habit now and um I don't know just one just a, a constant variable to just everything's going to be in black and white and um I don't know I don't know why I started doing that I, it's pretty cool yeah it really is now yeah. one of the the young kids that works for me He's got his whole phone in grayscale because hmm. he says that it's not as addictive. His whole phone, everything's in black <laughs> and white. So he just scrolls by everybody's story and it's in black and white. So oh, yours yeah. doesn't stand out doesn't matter. on his phone. <laughs> I'm like, hey, did you see that? It's in black and white. He's like, everything's in black and white. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty cool what you do. So you're on Instagram. What's it, what's the what's the handle? Cap Nicklebaity, C-A-P-T, Nicklebaity. Or you could search Tailing Water Expeditions and find me on there. Yeah. You got anything yeah. else going on? Um, YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. I have a uh, Facebook page and uh, I have a YouTube channel, but I really don't do too much on there. 
I do try and throw out some videos. I'll usually do maybe, you know, one really nice one a year and then some little teaser clips and stuff here and there. That's pretty much about it. It's a full-time job in itself with the social media. <laughs> I try and keep it as simple as I can to, you know, get some stuff out there and let everyone see what's going on. But, I mean, you're out there for, I mean, 10, 12 hours a day sometimes, and you get home, and then I rush, I take a shower, and then I got to sit there and send clients the pictures, and then I got to put together the Instagram story or the post, and that's enough. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, no it's a lot kidding. that goes into it. It is a lot that goes into you it. Know. So do you take pictures with just your phone or do you take the big camera out there? No, I take the big camera out there. Yeah, yeah I definitely do that. I have a, a couple lenses and I went and went over budget and uh, bought a drone oh, you did? a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I think I saw that on your story. Then. Yeah, so I'm starting to play around with that. That's a lot of fun. God, you're going to learn a lot. Yeah. Quick. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing piece of um, technology that mm -hmm. I certainly didn't have when I was guiding. Yeah incredible yeah. all right nick well thanks for doing it thanks for doing the show it's cool to learn a little more about you yeah. appreciate it thanks for having me no problem all right follow him in black and white <laughs> <laughs> all right see ya <laughs>